Thanks for joining us this week for the Church at Starkey Hills podcast. Be sure to visit our website at starkey.church to find all the latest information and upcoming events. Well, amen. Let me invite you to open your Bibles to chapter 12 or your device. Chapter 12 is the great crescendo of this amazing prophetic book. And hopefully you've gleaned something along the way. I know parts of it are kind of heavy, kind of deep, but that's okay. Daniel stayed confused part of the time too, so it's fair for him, it's fair for us. And so today we're going to finish this book, and we'll reach back into it a little bit in the next series, uh, Breakthrough 21, starting next week. Uh, but I do want to reach back into chapter 11, because it's a heavy verse, excuse me, a heavy chapter that I'm not going to preach from, because it's, it's, just, it's just a lot of stuff, and our t- time really didn't permit But I will cover it briefly. So uh, when we consider the wars of this world uh, that we've seen uh, when we look at history, maybe American history or world history, uh, there's seldom a season that goes by that there's not some uh, terrific war going on somewhere around the world. And in America, if you just look at American history alone, I made a list of some of our wars. We can't go but about 25 years that we don't find ourselves in a serious conflict. Included would be... Um, 1776, the War for Independence. You'll see the War of 1812, the Civil War, the Spanish-American War, World War I, World War II, the Korean War, Vietnam War, and the Persian Gulf War. Now, all of those are significant. All of those have had some brutal results. All of those have, have caused death and calamity and suffering. But I want you to know that really all that points to is the fact that We are all people of war around the world since the fall of mankind. We are people of war. And as significant as some of those wars are, and they they are significant, they pale in comparison to the war that's coming. In chapter 11, the chapter points to what's known as the Battle of Armageddon. It will take place on the northern plain of Israel called Megiddo, and it is the war of the world. It is the war where hell is unleashed on this world. Now, it's amazing how God does stuff that even in that great war and even in the great tribulation, the world comes against in the second half of the 70th week of Daniel, in the second half, the second three and a half years of the seven years of the great tribulation, God allows the Antichrist and all of his minions, all of the evil of the evil kingdom and all of the evil of this world to come against Israel to judge Israel because of their unfaithfulness, their disobedience, and their rebellion against Him. But what's amazing about it is then God punishes them for what they did to Israel. You you can't even write a story like that. God loves His people so much, but when they turn their back on Him, He says judgment is coming, and He allows all these nations to come against Israel. And then He turns around and He says, because you came against Israel... Now I'm going to punish you. At the end of the day, God knows what's going on. God's never surprised. And God has a plan even in this great war called the war, the the battle of Armageddon. Now, Satan has always hated Israel. And Satan hates Israel to this day. Why? Because Israel was the children of God, the people of God, the nation of God, God's uh, holy people. They were chosen and selected. And so God hates them. Excuse me, Satan hates them. Satan hates them because God used them to introduce himself to the world through. 
Satan hates them because God used them to bring the Messiah, Jesus, to the world. And so he's always hated them because Satan hates everything God loves, which moves it to you. If you're a child of God, if you're a Christian today, I want you to know, let's not hide from this reality. Satan hates your guts. He hates you and he wants to destroy you. He is not a friend. He is a foe. And he does everything in his power to eliminate you. Satan did everything he could to destroy uh, Israel. He did it through Egypt and yet they weren't destroyed. He did it through Babylon and yet they weren't destroyed. He did it through Persia and Greece and Rome. He, Satan has tried to destroy Israel from its inception and yet it's never been destroyed. And it's still alive and, and well today. And the Jewish people are scattered all over the world. All right? Now we're going to see today why and how they still exist. We'll see a little bit of that today. Now, Armageddon is the battle that ends all battles. It is a picture of people being judged because they were just too prideful or just plainly, plain and simple, too dumb to listen to the merciful, the tender hand of God trying to help them do what's right. Because all through the ages, God has been gentle with Israel. He's protected them. He's encouraged them. He sent them priests and kings and prophets and judges. He sent the Messiah. And at every turn, they just seem to stop listening to God and turn their back on God. And right in the middle of the tribulation, they'll still reject God because they're, they're too stubborn to listen and to learn from what it is that God is trying to teach them. Now, why is it so important that we understand about Israel? Because Israel is a picture of what God does for those that He loves. What God does for Israel is a picture, a type of what He'll do for the church and what He will do for you. That's why it's important that we can learn from Israel. Now, you've also heard from time to time that in the end, Scripture says it, that all of Israel will be saved. Have you ever heard that? Say, I have. Okay, if you've studied the Word, you've seen it. Now, that's kind of a hard thing because you say, man, if He'll save them, He'll save anybody. All right? How could he save them all? Well, we're going to see that at, in the end time, um, all that are left of the Jewish people are saved. They'll be delivered because the rest of them annihilated. When the Antichrist places his feet in the temple at three and a half years into the Great Tribulation, the seven years, the 70th week of Daniel, when he steps up onto the temple and says, hey, no more sacrifice needed because God is here. All right? He will unleash every kind of warfare available upon the nation of Israel, trying to terminate and ex exterminate them. Now, the title of today's message <clears throat> is called Never Forgotten with a question mark. Never Forgotten. You see, God says over and over, He'll never forget Israel. And it's a picture. It's something that we need to ask, but we need to know. Because when we see how faithful God is to Israel. It is a picture of how faithful God will be to you and God will be to me. Not just for a moment, a day, a season, but for all of eternity. And so sometimes we have a tendency to want, worry about other people more than we worry about ourselves. Some people are so worried about Israel, meanwhile they live like hell, okay? It's kind of like, you know, if you have children or grandchildren, you know, you get on one of them and they say, what about them? You ever had that happen? Maybe you said it, okay? What about them? You know, we've got grandchildren. We can get on to one of them. Well, what about her? What about him? Okay. That's the way we are with Israel. What about Israel? Will they be forgotten? 
or will God do what he said? Will they be remembered? Well, I want to show you what God does for Israel, and it'll be a picture or a template of what God will ultimately do for us. So although we're talking about Israel 100%, without reservation, this is God's message through Daniel to Israel about Israel. But I want you to lean in because at the end I want to show you there's more to the story than what you see on the surface. And so the first thing I want you to see that God gives to the nation of Israel is a defender, a defender. Look at verse 1 of Daniel chapter 12. It says, at that time, what time? What we just described, okay? Midway through the tribulation period, the great tribulation, hell breaks loose on this earth. The Antichrist has established himself on the temple, in the temple as God. He says, at that time, Michael, the great prince who watches over your people will arise. Why is Israel still around? Why are there still Jewish people? Do you understand if you look at your globe and you look for Israel, it's a postage stamp of geography. And yet it's still there. And it's surrounded by Muslims, by the nation of Islam. If you are a Jew living in Israel today, you are outnumbered by your neighbors 800 to 1 Muslim to Jew. Why are they still, why do they still exist? Why did Egypt not conquer them? Why did Pharaoh not wipe them out? Why did uh, Nebuchadnezzar not wipe them out? Why did Cyrus not wipe them out? Why did Rome not wipe Because, listen, because Israel is God's chosen people and Israel has a defender. Israel has a mighty one, an archangel, the most powerful angel. He reports to Jesus and Jesus has assigned him among other things you look after Israel, and don't you let them be eliminated. And you know what? They're not. And they never will be. So the reason that God has taken care of them with a defender, number two, I want you to see something else that God promises to Israel, and that is deliverance. Let's read on. It says, there will be a time of distress unlike any other from the nation's beginning up to that time. Okay? This is that whole second half of the tribulation period. It says, but at that time, your own people, all those whose names are found written in the book, will escape. Now, he promises to them deliverance. And he says, all those people whose names are written in the book will be delivered. And I shared this story a few weeks ago. I'm going to share it over and over until you're sick of it. It's my story for 2020. In a, in a year of absolute confusion, the most beautiful story of 2020 happened at our fall festival. And if you weren't here, you'll love it. If you were here, you'll love hearing it again. Caitlin was standing in the field at the Museum of Appalachia, and she looked and saw her grandson, my grandson, her son, five years old, standing on a bale of hay, watching a little girl in our church sing a hymn. And she knew that was weird because he was standing still. And he was standing on a bale of hay, looking at a little girl sing a hymn. So she went over to him and noticed when she got over, he had big tears in his eyes. And she said, hey, buddy, what's the matter? He said, somebody's calling my name. And she said, well, who's calling your name? He said, Jesus. And Caitlin was startled. She said, well, what did he say to you? He said he wants me to be in his super book. <laughs> in the super book. And she said, this spiritual moment, about that time a peacock flew through, and he goes, ah, peacock, and took off running. Okay. But in that moment, man, God was whispering to his soul. I'm telling you, that is real. I'm telling you. 
So next day, he was at the house, and I said, hey, buddy, come here. Did you have fun at the fall festival? Yeah. What was your favorite part? Uh, the obstacle course. And I said, oh, that, that was cool. I was, I, well, did somebody call your name? He said, yeah. Just like that. And I said, who? He said, Jesus. And I said, what did he say to you? He said he wants me to be in his super book. And I said, man, that's awesome. I said, what did you say to him? He said, I, I told him I didn't even know you were healed. <laughs> that's, I'm telling him, man, childlike faith, man. They'll dive in. We'll push back, adults. We won't even listen to the voice of God because we're too big for that, sometimes too cool for that. Sometimes we don't need that because I got it. A little kid, when he hears the voice of God, he's diving in, man. It's him and God, and that's what it looks like. Right here in Daniel, the same thing, a reference to this book, man. And in this book is found those who are delivered. Outside of that book, no deliverance. You're either in the book or you're out of the book. And in, at the end of this, all of this ugly warfare, the nation of Israel has been under attack for all of these thousands of years. But in that moment, God says, those people that are left, they're written in the book and they will be delivered. Now, number three, what I want you to see is another cool word that God promises and it refers to destiny. Now, destiny has to do with a destination, an end result. Look what he says. He says, many of those who sleep in the dusty ground will awake. What is he talking about? What does it mean? Many who sleep in the dusty ground go awake. That means somebody take, man, they're camping out. That's what it is, a big camp out. They're sleeping under the stars in the dust. They're going to wake up. No, this is dead people. They're buried in the dust. These people are asleep, dead, and buried. It says in the dusty ground they will awake, some of them to everlasting life, and others to shame and everlasting abhorrence. And your, book, your Bible may say, your translation may say contempt. Now, this is heavy stuff. He says, so verse 5, I, Daniel, watched as two others stood there, one on each side of the river. And one said to the man clothed in linen who was above the waters of the river, when will the end of these wondrous events occur? Once, oh, so here we go. So here's what happens. So he says, there are going to be some laying in the dust that are going to awake. And he says, some are going to wake up to everlasting life and others to abhorrence, contempt, and death. Now, I want you to see something. That one verse right there spans a thousand years. This is cool. The first part of that, the resurrection of believers to everlasting life, that happens at the beginning of the seven years of tribulation. And then a, and then a thousand years will go by. Excuse me, at the end of the tribulation. And then a thousand years will go by and that is the thousand-year reign of Jesus on this earth with His saints. At the end, everybody gets a resurrection. And they don't stand before the Bema Seat of Glory, the judgment of Jesus, our, where the sins were paid for on the cross. They stand before the great white throne judgment, the judgment where people stand there for who they are. I never took Jesus' gift. I never wanted Jesus' gift. I'm a pretty good person. I did some good things. I'm going to be fine. No, you're not because you're measuring according to the wrong standard. If there's one blemish, one failure, when you are compared to the standard of Jesus Christ, you stand before the great white throne judgment. And if you make it to there, you will be resurrection, resurrected, but you will, you will be exposed to abhorrence, contempt, and eternal death. Now, we see this span of a thousand years between these resurrections. Now, let's talk about resurrection a little bit because it's important. The first resurrection, true resurrection, was Jesus. You say, well, I thought Jesus rose Lazarus from the dead. That's a great story. 
Lazarus, come forth. And he, he was stinky dead. That's what the Bible says. And he came forth. That was a resurrection, but it's not a picture of the real resurrection. Because unfortunately for Lazarus, you know what had happened to Lazarus again? <laughs> he had to go through it again. He had to die again. That, that's not really that great of a plan. Okay? The first resurrection to, to, to true life, Jesus is the firstborn of many. Jesus was resurrected from the dead and lives forevermore. That's resurrection. Now, he's a picture. He's a, a, a template, a model. Jesus showed us how to live, how to die, and how to rise again. Jesus showed us what we can have in store for us and how to live forever in heaven. So it's a picture. So he's the first resurrection. Now, the first group of resurrected people is found right before the 70th week of Daniel right before the seven years of the Great Tribulation, all right? And it's called the Harpazo. Everybody say Harpazo. You know, that's a little Greek word for it. It's a fun one, okay? That's a, that's a fun one. And, and it means harp, pluck, like you pluck a harp. It means the plucking or the catching away of or the snatching of a group of people. That's what it's talking about. Now, look what it says in 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians 4 Verse 16 says, For the Lord Himself will come down from heaven with a shout of a command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet of God. And the dead, the people laying in the dust, same thing, the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be suddenly caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. See where the Lord's at. He's in the air. He's not on the ground yet. And so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. I'm here to encourage you today, okay? What God said to Daniel is true for you as a believer. That one day there will be a resurrection and our bodies will be resurrected from the grave. Now, let me, let me clear this up. So let's just say the Lord comes for His church like now, okay? He comes down with the shout of an archangel and the, and the blowing of a trumpet. He descends from heaven on a cloud and He stops mid-air stops in the sky. He does not place his feet on this globe. And he calls forth the evacuation of dead Christians' bodies to be reunited with their souls. Listen, if I die, my soul goes to heaven. It says absent, Bible says, absent from the body, present with the Lord. So if I fall over right now with a stroke, I'm out, okay? And don't worry about it. Take my body, put it in the dust, bury it in the ground, okay? It's just a body. And my spirit goes to heaven to be with Jesus, all right? When Jesus comes again in the air to remove the church, he stops in the sky and he calls forth dead bodies to be resurrected and glorified, reunited with the spirit that's already been to heaven. And then those of us that remain will be caught up, harpazoed, plucked, and we'll meet them in the air, meaning they, they got six feet further to go. So we got to catch up with them, bam, and we're with them. And I instantly get glorified, and I go to heaven, okay? Spirit and body glorified. Right now, my spirit's already glorified. Right now, my spirit is already made perfect and righteous from God's perspective because He sees me through Jesus. My body is still broken. It's why we battle flesh. It's why you do sin, because your spirit wants to do right. you got this flesh battle going on. So that's the second resurrection, the resurrection of the church. Now, it's important to understand when God calls the church, when He harpazo, when He harp plucks the church off of the planet, what are we the, the temple of? Somebody tell me. The Holy Spirit. When He takes 
the world of people still alive who are temples of the Holy Spirit, and we evacuate this place and go to heaven, the Holy Spirit goes with us. Now, we're uncertain if there's still a remnant of the Holy Spirit because some will still be saved, but the mass representation of the Holy Spirit has been taken away. And listen to me. When you take the presence of God through the Holy Spirit living through men and women on this globe, I want you to know that it opens up the door for hell to come full-blown into this world. There's no pushback. And that's when this great tribulation begins, when it happens. Number three, I want you to see there's another resurrection. The, the next resurrection is the resurrection of the Old Testament saints and those saved during the tribulation period. So let's say somebody says, well, I'm not, I, you know, I don't really need to be saved. I'm a pretty good person. You've got a whole family of people telling you about Jesus. You don't want to hear it. You don't want no part of it. Okay, and then one day you look up and your mama's gone, your sister's gone, those who've been trying to reach you, and they're all gone because they were harpazo. They were caught away, plucked up, taken out of here. All of a sudden you're like, uh, I missed the bus. Okay, now you want to get saved. Fine. You may be able to get saved during the tribulation depending on how God is dealing with you personally. Maybe He's given you plenty of opportunities and your time is over. But let's say He does allow you to be saved. If you get saved in the seven-year tribulation period, it will cost you your life. Now, not at first, but there'll be a place in this timeline, that seven years, where, where you will be required to take the mark of the beast. And if you don't, your life will end. So a Christian who in, uh, someone who becomes a Christian during the tribulation period, it will cost them a martyr's death. Your Christianity will cost you your death. And at the end of the tribulation, they'll be resurrected. The saints of the Old Testament, King David, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Jonah, Micah, uh, Malachi, whoever you want to put on this list that were Old Testament saints, now they get resurrected, okay? And now they join us in heaven. Those who are already gone, they join us in heaven, all right? Why do they join us in heaven? Because we're getting ready to all come back, okay? And it's going to get good. Now, the last resurrection is a resurrection at the end of the 1,000-year reign of Christ on this earth. I believe Jesus is going to come back at the end of those seven years. So he's going to rapture. He's going to call out the, the uh, tribulation saints. He's going to call out the saints of the Old Testament. He already has the church. we all up there in heaven, and it's the end of the tribulation period, and Jesus says, this is the time. And we return to this earth, and we rule, and we reign on this globe with Jesus for a thousand years. No sin, no war, no Satan, all right? Peace on this earth. What people claim to give Jesus shows up with it, all right? And we get to rule and reign for a thousand years on this earth. Now, here's what's cool about it. So he tells Daniel, he says, you know, you're going to get to experience this. Uh, he says, this is what I've got in store for you. And so I want to make the point that under this word destiny, there's two eternal destinations for every human being, only two. There's no, I just disappeared into oblivion. No, I just, it just, there's no afterlife. There is an afterlife and there is an after death. We live forever in heaven or we live forever in hell. That's it. Every single person, one of two destinies. And that's what Daniel received right here. Now watch this. The fourth thing I want you to see that God gives to Daniel and Israel 
is he gives them dividends. Dividends are like shares or profits or benefits. And, and Dan, he says this to Daniel. Look what he says in verse 3. He says, but the wise will shine like the brightness of the heavenly expanse. And those bringing many to righteousness will be like the stars forever and ever. Dividends. Who gets the dividends? Who gets the benefits? Who gets the profits? People who live their life as Jews, as the nation of Israel, like Daniel, committed to God, obedient to God, faithful to God, and whose testimony and witness encouraged other people to pursue God. Right? So when you think about that in the Old Testament, God gave them kings and priests and judges. God gave them uh, all of these uh, prophets to point people to God. In heaven, they may not, may not have got much on this earth, but in heaven, the reward is great. On this earth, on this planet, we magnify people for their personal gifts. Somebody's a great has a great voice, and so they're a rock star or whatever, man. They, they, are, they we lift them up, man. Or they, oh, you know, everybody gets excited about them. One day, the voice is going away. Okay, anybody watch the show, The Voice? Nobody. Okay, three. Okay, it's a big show. I don't know. Let me tell you about it. It's a show called The Voice. Okay, Blake Shelton's on it all the time. It's all known. Okay. These people come on there, man, they've got incredible voices. One day those voices will fade away. There's people on this planet who have great athletic ability, man. We watched, uh, watched a couple football games over the holidays. Great, man, superstar athletic abilities. But if I ask you who won the Super Bowl in, you know, 19, in, in 2015, most people don't know. You know, my son-in-law, I'll tell you the Redskins. You know, whatever, I don't even know who won it. I don't care. I care not about them guys, okay? But here's the thing. They get, we put them on a pedestal, man. Oh. Pay them millions of dollars. Oh. And then you have people who God has given the ability to acquire wealth. And so their names plastered, their businesses all over the world, and they have billions of dollars, and we live, oh. And one day all that fades away. All that money spent by somebody else that they didn't even know, okay? It's squandered. The voice is gone. The skills, the abilities fade away. Nobody remembers them. Listen to me. People who live for God, sharing in their life testimony witnessing about how good God is and how much He loves the people of this world, they will shine like the brightest star on the darkest night forever. And, and I want to challenge you. God's called you to that, to share Jesus, the love of Jesus. Now, listen to what it says in Proverbs 11.30. It says, The fruit of the righteous is like a tree producing life. The fruit of the righteous, this is Old Testament. It doesn't mean if you're talking about Old Testament covenant people or if you're talking about New Testament grace people, the church. It says it, you should be like a tree that produces life and the one who wins souls is wise. The one who yields at least part of their life committed to telling other people about Jesus, whether it's in your family whether it's in your neighborhood, whether it's on the job, whether it's through the church, whether it's being a missionary around the world, the one who is engaged in trying to lead other people out of hell and into heaven, they wise, and they're going to shine like stars in heaven. Number five, God doesn't stop there with Daniel. He gives directives. He gives mandates. He gives a list of responsibilities, things that he wants Daniel to do. It's found in verse four and following. Listen to what it says. But you, Daniel, 
I want you to close up these words and seal the book until the time of the end. Many will dash about and knowledge will increase. Pause right there. Go back just one. This is the world we live in. He's telling Daniel about the world you live in. He said many people will dash about and knowledge will increase. We dashing about? Y'all dashed right over here, okay? Y'all got him probably a $30,000 car, probably had a heated seat to keep you a little tushy warm, okay? Rode over here, dashed on over here. It's over. You're going to dash right out of here in a hurry. Like I said, woo, the greatest hallelujah I get the end of the service. Time to eat. I got to beat the Methodist over there at the Aubrey's. We're going to dash on over there. We're dashing people. That's who he's talking about. And then it goes on and says, and knowledge will increase. Is that the world we live in? Daniel didn't have a computer in his robe, okay? He didn't have it tucked away in his, in his, in his turban, okay? And yet we carry information, all the information we could ever begin to even fathom in our hip pocket or in our purse. We're people that dash and we're people where knowledge has increased. I'm telling you, I believe we're on the threshold of something big happening. Now, let's keep going. So I, Daniel, now watched as two others stood there, one on each side of the river. Now, he's going to change. He's been just talking about stuff, and now he sees something, and it kind of startles him. One said to the man clothed in linen who was above the water of the river, when will the end of these wondrous events occur? He says, I was looking now, and I saw this river, and there's these two dudes standing on both sides of the river, and in the middle of the river, but elevated above the river, there is one wrapped in linen. Most commentators agree that this is Jesus, pre-incarnate. Remember, incarnate, carn is flesh. Pre-incarnate means Jesus before he came down here in flesh and bone, okay? But he shows up hanging out, hovering above the river, wrapped in linen. And one said, said, then I heard the man clothed in linen, Jesus, who was over the waters of the river as he raised both his, his right hand and his left hand to the sky. And he made an oath by the one who lives forever. He made an oath unto himself. Now, hold it right here. Now, what is this he's raising his hands up? He's like, hey, everybody, I got this, okay? In the Old Testament, if you made an oath, you raised your right hand. And it meant, like we said uh, last week, true story. You know, that's what we say. Hey, man, true story. Like the rest of that stuff was a lie, okay? An oath, when they raise their hand, it says, you can count on this 100%. You can lean in. You can invest your whole life in this. This is true. Jesus raises both hands. He says, what I'm going to tell you, he says, 100% true. You can expect it. You can write it down in your journal. You can take your phone, spin forward to this date, put it on your calendar, get you an alarm going that morning. It's going to happen. This is real. Now, what's real? He says, he says, it is for a time, times, and half a time. He says, when's this, when's this thing going to come to an end? He says, at the end of time, times, and half a time. You remember that? Hopefully that sunk in. What is that? The 70th week of Daniel is seven years of great tribulation. Half of seven years is three and a half years. Three and a half years is time, times, and half a time out. Time is one year. Times is plural, two years. And a half a time is a half a year. One plus two is three. Three plus six months is three and a half. Kendra, my math teacher, last time she said, I didn't really understand how you got three. You got it, babe? You got it now? I'll call her out right there. She'll, now, she'll have a formula. She won't do it that way. She'll put it in some calculus equation, some derivative coming out of that thing, okay? Three and a half years. Later in Revelation, we see it's 42 months. Do your math, 42 months, three and a half years. So Jesus says when this second half of the Great Tribulation happens, it's all coming to an end. He says then when the power of the one who shatters the holy people, when the Antichrist 
the one who's trying to shatter Israel, the holy people, has been exhausted. Because, why? Because Michael is fighting back and he wins. It says, all these things will be finished. I heard, <laughs> I didn't understand, keeping good company. If you don't understand, it's okay, Daniel didn't either. He said, I didn't understand. So I said, sir, what's going to happen after these things? And he said, go, Daniel, for these matters are closed and sealed until the time of the end. Many will be purified, made clean, and refined, but the wicked will just go on being wicked, and none of the wicked will understand, though the wise will understand. From the time that the daily sacrifice is removed and the abomination that causes desolation is set in place, there are 1,290 days. Blessed is the one who waits and attains to the 1,335 days. Now, I don't understand. All right? So he just said a mouthful. First, he said, go on, Daniel. You could ask me a 1,000 questions, and I could answer them all about the future. But the more questions I answer, the more questions will be stirred in your soul. And so he says, just stop right there. That's all you get. You just trust what you get. All right? You just write that down, you seal that book, and that's all anybody needs. If they'll just listen to that, hang on to that, plant their feet and their faith in that, they're going to be fine. And then he throws a curveball at the end. He says, yeah, 1,290 days, 1,335 days, time out. 42 months is not 1,290 days. 42 months, you'll remember the Hebrew calendar had 30 days. 42 months is 1,260 days. Why did he add another month in there? And then 45 more days from 1290 to 1335. Why did he add another month and a half? Ain't nobody knows. A lot of times in prophecy, you keep reading, he says, oh, that's what that is. He didn't do that here. There's some conjectures, some ideas. Maybe it has to do with, with judgment. Maybe it has to do with gifting. Maybe it has to do with setting up some new administration. We don't know. But all we know is God told Daniel, you just kind of shut that up right now because that's all you're going to get. Now, I want you to see the most, the most important part of the whole book. And it's the very last verse of Daniel chapter 12. Listen to this directive for Daniel, verse 13. He says, but Daniel, you should just go your way until the end. I'm going to unpack this. It's beautiful. And you will rest. And then at the end of the days, you will arrive and you will receive what you've been allotted. Oh, man, 75 years Daniel has been in captivity away from home, a thousand miles from home. He's been redefined. He became a eunuch. He's been re-educated with popular worldview, culture, cultural ideas and philosophy. He's been renamed from, from Daniel to, to Belteshazzar, which is an ungodly name. All of that for 75 years. Ruler after ruler comes in and takes over. And Daniel just gets up every day, three times a day, gets on his knees, opens his doors toward heaven and prays. He just, he's just faithful. And God says, Daniel, you're about 90 years old now. This is what I want you to do, okay? You don't have to ask any more questions. You don't have to worry or wonder. I just want you to 
go your way until the end. You just keep being who I made you to be. You just keep being Daniel. You keep being faithful. You keep being obedient. You keep pursuing the depth of who I am. You just keep being you to the very end. And then, Daniel, I want you to know that you're going to rest. You're going to die. And they're going to bury your body in a grave. Okay? It's happening. It's sure. But it don't stop there. He says, and at the end of the days, you will arise and receive what you've been allotted. Let me tell you something. There's a day coming when Jesus rules and reigns on this earth for a thousand years. And those who believe, those Christians and those Old Testament saints are going to rule and reign with Him for a thousand years on this earth of perfection. And then God is going to destroy the old heaven, the old earth, and make it all new, and we're going to be with Him again. And I want to tell you, who's going to be one of the kingpins in that eternal kingdom? His name's Daniel. Because Daniel, when you look at his life, he got a miserable lot. You know, sometimes we look around, why is my life so bad? And their life seems so good. Walk, walk 75 years in the shoes of this guy and be faithful like that. You know what eternity holds for him? Blessings upon blessings upon blessings for eternity. Now, now here's what's amazing about it. What does that even look like? Resurrected body for Daniel. Same thing it looks like for you. What does that look like? The same thing it looks like for Jesus. When you read the Old Testament, excuse me, the New Testament, the Gospels, and you see the resurrected body of Jesus after he rises from the dead on the third day, he shows up and it says in the upper room the door was locked and they were in there praying. Jesus comes through the wall. He's not bound by atomic structure. He's glorified. He's different. He's not bound to what this world, the laws of nature say he's bound to. At the end of it, when he goes back to heaven, how does he get back to heaven? He flies. He ascends. He's not bound by the laws of nature and gravity. And yet at the same time, when he gets in there, he sees Thomas, old doubting Thomas. He says, Thomas, why do you doubt, man? He says, come on over here and touch my hands. Touch my thighs. He's got a physical body. Not only that is he eats with them. He has food with him. I like that. In all of eternity, we get to eat. It's one of the highlights of my day. I, I love to eat. You can tell by looking. Okay? We're going to eat forever. We have bodies forever. Okay? Daniel gets that. Now, here's the thing. Here's it. You ready? I need you to li listen. I, I need you to hear me. If you didn't hear a word I said, the book of Daniel is a book of prophecy. But in that prophecy, it's a book of hope for the nation of Israel. It's a book of hope for the Old Testament people who would place their faith in the coming Messiah. And it's a picture. It's a type. It's an image. It's a description of the same thing that's true for you and for me who look back at what Jesus did on a cross 2,000 years ago. Here, here's what it means. Maybe 2020 was the worst year I've ever experienced. I know it had to be the most unusual. It's been a crazy year. Daniel wants to offer you hope in the coming year, 2021. And maybe 
Your, your finances are upside down because you missed work or because things changed in 2020. I want to offer you hope. Maybe you have relationships with your parents or with your children or your neighbors or the people that live next to you. Maybe you, your relationship with your spouse, it looks like it's under the attack directly from the pits of hell. It probably is because God hates marriage because it's the first institution God put in place in Genesis. I want you to know, just like Daniel, it's not over yet. It's not over yet, all right? There's 2021 right around the corner. And the same thing that God promises to Daniel. Let me see our list right here. Remember I started the message, never forgotten with a question mark? You read that chapter, you can say never forgotten with an exclamation point. The children of God are never, will never, can never be forgotten. They're the object of his affection. The apple of God's eye includes you. Watch this. Everything that God told Daniel that he provided. A defender, you got that. Jesus is your great intercessor. He prays on your behalf. He dispatches angels to protect you. You have a defender. Deliverance, in Jesus, we've been delivered from sin's curse in our life. We have eternal life, the deliverance, because of what Jesus has done. Thirdly, destiny. We all have one of two destinies, but Jesus drives a stake in the child of God's destiny. I'm going to heaven when I die, and you can't do anything about it. You ready? I can't do anything about it. I can't commit a list as long as my arm of sins today to keep me out of heaven. Because my sins are atoned for on the cross. My destiny is fixed. My place in heaven is reserved. Listen, and I'm written in the book. And I can't be unwritten in the book that he wrote me in. What else? Dividends. The Bible says Jesus is judge. Jesus is the rewarder of good deeds. For all of eternity, I will walk in the benefits of what God has done for me. And for every good deed I've done outside of selfish motivation, I will be rewarded for. What else? Directives. What were those directives? <laughs> Go and be you. Know that one day, if the rapture doesn't happen first, they're going to put you in a grave, your body's going to rest. But know with certainty, one day you'll rise again and you will be with me. I want to tell you there's hope. Don't give up on God don't give up on you and don't give up on the things of this life that God has put in your presence because there's hope. Now, I won't, I'm going to go a step further. As a church, we want to help you experience a new level in your journey with God and it begins next Sunday. It's called Breakthrough 21 and it's more than you see on the surface. And I want you to commit to be here all five Sundays of January. <laughs> you will because you're faithful. But I want you to be here because we're going to help you. We're going to put, a tools, put tools in your hands to help you in your journey to find hope and to find everything that God has for your life. I want you to bow your head and close your eyes. When it's all said and done, we can make a lot of mistakes in this life, a lot of bad choices, 
there's one choice, one decision that changes our eternal destiny. And that is, what did we do with Jesus? Some people have a head knowledge of Jesus, and that's what they did. They, they learned about Jesus. They had a knowledge about Jesus. Some people have had conversations about Jesus. But all that matters is if Jesus has come into our life and saved and delivered our soul. Maybe you're here today and all you've ever had is a head knowledge, a wondering about Jesus, conversations, an education about Jesus, but He's never become your personal Savior. He's never changed you on the inside out. If that's you, I want you to know this could be your day of salvation. If you feel God inviting you into His presence, into His kingdom, you, you may think, I didn't come here for that. God showed up with that. And it's your opportunity just to simply say, God, I don't understand this, but I know I'm a sinner. I know I am. And in this moment, I feel an invitation into your presence. And I'm a little bit set aside by it, set back. But I want to confess my sinfulness to you. And I believe in this moment that you sent yourself to this earth in the form of a man named Jesus who lived a perfect life. My prayer, I thank you for saving me on this day. Fill me with your spirit and help me live for you, making you the Lord and Master and King of my life from this day forward. In Jesus' name. And for the rest of us, maybe it's a moment where we just say, God, I thank you for in this moment reassuring me that I'm not forgotten. I thank you for in this moment for offering me hope to look forward instead of back and allowing you to do something beautiful and wonderful in my life because that's who you are. God, we thank you for this day and the opportunity to finish this crazy year on a note like this, hopeful, faithful, called out with directives to be who all that you called us to be, knowing one day it's over and we'll be placed in the ground to rest. But then, even then, it's not over because one day we'll be resurrected and we'll live with you forever and forever and forever. In Jesus' name, God's people said, Amen. If you just got saved today, I want you to let somebody know because of the pandemic, we won't invite you forward, but please contact me or one of our staff members. and We'd like to help you with that decision and put some things in your hands to help you in your new journey. And otherwise, I want to invite you to stand and we're going to sing and celebrate. And then we'll hear some announcements and we'll be dismissed. We hope that God spoke to you through this message. If you enjoyed the message, be sure to subscribe to our weekly podcast and visit our website at sturkey.church to find all the latest information and upcoming events. Be sure to join us again next week. Until then, may God bless you.